And we have come to our final episode, and we are going to talk about something that is near and dear to both of our hearts, I think. But we're going to be talking about outdated leadership today. And my hope for this episode is not to necessarily put anybody up on the proverbial pyre, if you will, but I don't mind. Okay, not everybody, all right? We're not trying to put everybody on the tire. Just just a few just a few, few examples who need to be on there, but the rest of everybody else gets a pass. This is a pass. This is a moment to reflect and examine your own behaviors. Outdated leadership. And we talked about this in the previous episode that especially as minorities and women, we internalize and try to externalize a white male standard for leadership values, right? So it could be that you have done this, you have internalized and therefore you externalize these outdated leadership styles because that is what you had to do to make it. But you told me that we're all putting out these outdated leadership ideas, or at least, you know, the the leaders on leadership are, right? Can you give me some examples? I want to see if I've experienced any of them. Oh, I'm sure you have. I mean, come on, you were in the army. Of course you have. (laughs) Um, You know, these traditional like XYZ leaderships and most traditional leadership theories and models that are practiced. Think about when they were made. Most of these leadership models and theories came out of the 1940s, 50s or 60s. Think about what the workforce was. And I'm going to relate this to a data point right here. When you just look at the meaning of diversity and inclusion, there is a generational difference in the meaning and implication of what those words even mean. For instance, if you look at baby boomers who are, there's 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day, by the way. Let's talk about succession planning because uh, we don't have much. And by 2025, the majority of the workforce is actually going to be minority. What? Mm-hmm. So for... Every person who does not want to get rid of their affinity bias for us to step out of our comfort zones, to include ourselves and to let ourselves be included. This is, it is a two way street. It has to be mutual. If all of this doesn't happen, we will not have sustainable businesses. We're going to have a leadership crisis. We already do. 84% of our companies right now are already talking about a major leadership gap they're not able to fill. And that number is going to increase in the next five years because, again, 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every day. Well, and I have to wonder, too, when you think about it, right, we have more people becoming an entrepreneur and running your own business. The threshold for that, depending on the business that you want to run, is incredibly low now, right? If you're someone like me who was dissatisfied with their corporate experience, right? Like I I loved being in the Army. I mean, there were times, of course, I was not having a good time, but I loved being in the Army. But when I got out, I was an employee for almost two years, and that was all I could do. I was incredibly unhappy. And so instead of going and finding another job, which, I mean, I did try, but everybody was taking forever. I was like, no, I want to be happy right now. And I started a business. I feel like there are more people who are going to do that because they realize that they're capable and they're competent. I don't want to be an employee. Could I fill a leadership gap for some company? I'm sure I could. But do you know, like, I it's, I struggle to imagine what, they would have to pay me or offer 
in order for me to want to become an employee, like I, I feel like I'd probably have to already know the people there for me to even seriously consider it. Absolutely. And your story actually matches data. So the entire small business and entrepreneurship industry grows by about 9% per year. Women entrepreneurs was 45%. Because of the exact things you talked about, the autonomy, the flexibility, the freedom, being able to decide what is best for you. These are exactly what current leadership models are not giving to those who are marginalized, which is why they're leaving, which is why I said businesses are in trouble because people are at a point where they realize, you know what? I don't need you. I don't, I can truly don't need you for my happiness or my thriving or my success because I gave you everything I had that was safe for me to give you, which wasn't a lot. Right. You did not make it safe for me. And on top of that, you put all of these hurdles and barriers and obstacles in, in front of me that other people didn't have to deal with. We know there is a broken rung in corporate America right now. For every hundred men that get promoted to the manager level, all else being equal, only 72 women are being promoted. That's a problem. These systemic problems that are happening because leadership, existing leadership is not meeting individual employees needs to where they need them to meet because of these outdated authoritarian, authoritative leadership models that are built on this sort of individual hero swooping in to save the day type of a situation. We know that's not our reality. We know that previous generations did not connect diversity and inclusion to business strategy and goals. We also know that millennials and Gen Zers Diversity and inclusion has to be connected, that mental well-being has to be included. And they have no problem saying, eh, no, even if the benefits, even if the salary is good, even if the benefits are good, if that is an organization that they feel is not inclusive, peace, yo, I can do my own thing. Yeah, and that's that's what it is, is we're we're leaving because of these things. And what do you think about these uh these checkbox type systems for promotion, right? Like that was a big reason. They suck. I, they do, they suck so much. All right, so that was a big reason I left the company that I was with. I, I really enjoyed my work. I was considered a leader in the area that I worked and the I mean industry is very small, but I, I was a linguist. I was a translator and an intelligence analyst. And I was very good at what I did and I loved my work. But I wanted to lead. And so, you know, I was in the army and I was a leader. I became a leader fast. As fast as I could, I became a leader and I helped people and I led the way. Loved it. That's that's what I love to do. And when I became an employee doing the same job, so a lot of the same people, you know, it's just now I wasn't in a uniform. And I asked them, I was like, well, how can I move up? I want to help. I want to do more. Is there a way I can mentor? They grouped us by language in my company, and there was only one spot for my language. I loved my leader, but I also wanted to do something. And there was no way for me to do that, or at least there was no way that they were willing to do or to set up 
for me to do that. And that was a big reason why I left because I was just like, so I'm just supposed to sit here and stagnate. I'm just supposed to sit here until, until my leader decides to leave or do something else. Like there's no other option for me. And that's what I was told is that there wasn't, there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the checkbox system, uh, I was held back because I didn't have a bachelor's degree yet, but I had almost more experience with the exception of a few, I had more experience than most of the people even in my language. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but so I can't be based on the merits of my experience. And the fact that I didn't have a degree largely was due to, you know, deploying and having children and then things like that. So these things, these parts of my experience, you know, that I, I have as a, a veteran, right, with the deployment and, and being in the army, but then also as being the woman who bore the children, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't keep up with my finals and, and keep my degree going. You know, I paused it because I had a baby, multiple babies. And I, felt I created like I was, life. Right. Yeah. Like I don't get credit for that. Like I, I felt like I was being punished for that. And that was that checkbox system for promotion. Like, oh, you don't have a degree. We can't promote you. And I'm like, what? So that was actually created as a barrier because not everybody um, historically has had the privilege of that education. So it truly, so the promotion metrics, again, it goes back to the metrics, you know, from our previous conversation of the way the metrics have been created have actually been created to only promote those who are, are already elite and don't need the extra help, but they get the extra help. And for those who have real lived experiences, these are barriers. That's yeah. a problem, which is why we need to take a, you know, a better look at the metrics. All of our previous leadership models use those old metrics and they rely on those metrics, which is why they are outdated. We cannot do that. And it is another reason why I say you really want to be a conscientious, compassionate, people-centered leader. Don't look at resumes. Don't. Because I'll tell you what, when you look at my resume, You'll see I have a PhD. You won't see that I came back from death, that I clawed back from death and found myself while having migraines that were on a scale of one to 10 were at 20 every day while I was on a cocktail of oxy, Vicodin and morphine every single day trying to finish that. You see my PhD, you don't see the story behind it. You don't see how much perspective I can add because of my experience. All you see is a PhD, which should count for something, but doesn't. You also don't see the story behind it. When you see somebody who was in the army, when you see somebody who takes a gap, uh, you know, a break, to be a mother. You don't know the story of what it took for them to become a mother. You don't know that they may have almost died. You don't know that they suffered through postpartum depression and they clawed themselves out of that, that determination, that drive and that persistence. Those are actually what you want in a leader. Everything else in terms of the technicalities, Please, those are learned skills. Give me t- and when you think about it, though, even those things notwithstanding. So I did have a gap. I did have a gap. Uh, after I got out of the Army, I decided to stay home with the kids. And I only went back to work and became an employee at that company to earn money so we could put it, you know, get buy a house here because it's super expensive to buy a house in Maryland. But I had a, a very 
I mean, comparatively speaking, it was a pretty nice labor and delivery. It was faster than the first one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my recovery, you know, would have been nicer if my husband had been able to stay home longer. But that's another discussion. But I decided that I wanted to stay home. That notwithstanding, I would love for some of these, you know, people making these decisions in terms of check boxes and looking at resumes and these leaders who decide that people who take a break for any reason, I would love for them to come here and organize activities for these children exactly. for like a week. A day. And, and to, a day. No, no, no. I, I want it to be like a week because I want them to feel like, I want them to know what it feels like when you wake up and you're, you have to do this all over again. Yeah. And, and the kids, because like, well, we did that yesterday. And you're like, crap, that was my one good idea. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? Like, is that because these were built by these models and, you know, everything that we're living through right now was built for a workforce that I'm going to say it. It's obsolete. The nature of our looking at like factories and, and tea, you know, those types of, of mm -hmm. setups, right? I mean, and that's also not where work anymore. Exactly. And also, I mean, think about like that show Mad Men, right? Like where women were like relegated to like secretary file push, like, you know, paper pusher type of things while they still manage their homes. These shows, they don't, they show us these women pushing these papers, they don't show us the women then pushing these papers, dealing with this crappy boss who demeans them, going back home, dealing with their children, educating them, giving them a stable life, giving them meals, you know, making sure that they are like the pillar and the foundation of their safety and security there. You want to be a leader? You have to build a pillar of safety and security for your employees. Who better than a mother who better than a parent who actually parents their child, whether it's, you know, a man, a woman, transgender, non-binary, whatever, who better than a parent who understands the implications of what that work is and who understands the leadership, the real leadership that entails herding together a group of toddlers and going, no, you will not try and fight your sibling. You will not punch them out. This right. is what we are going to do. We are going to talk it out and we are going to explore it. Your voice is going to get heard. But at the end of the day, I am making the decision here. Welcome to the Defiant Business Podcast. A business podcast produced by Defy the Status Quo for forward-thinking businesses and savvy professionals looking to defy the status quo of mediocre customer experiences, barely surviving businesses, and haphazard business development. We'll explore best marketing and sales practices, improving business processes, attracting your ideal clients or customers, striking your perfect work-life balance, business basics, intentional inclusion in business, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Let's do this.